This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The philosophical manifestation of the curse in Genesis 3, there's not a push for equality so much as an elevation of women and a degradation of man. Dear young married couple, have you ever heard of or even been tempted to believe the lies of our culture that say the feminist mindset is the correct default, that you need to believe these so-called truths about women and our place in this society. Right, and we're not talking about voting rights, which are a really good thing, or the women women being able to hold a high position at a company. That's not what we're talking, we're not talking about discrimination. Exactly, we're not advocates of discrimination, but we are advocates of recognizing the beautiful value that both the man and the woman bring to the marriage and how that value is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not better or worse. It's not about power, um, but it's about there's just the value that God gave us. And how cool that God brought a man and a woman together in a marriage. And so you have exponential um, value there when both the man and the woman can recognize what each other brings to the table and know what you bring to the table as a man or a woman. In this episode, we have the privilege of interviewing Annalise. She's from a popular Instagram account called Feminine, Not Feminist. And um, she's a brilliant mind, really kind of an apologist mind on this subject. And she is going to talk to us today about some of these distinctions. So you're going to enjoy this. It's going to be awesome. But before we get into the interview, we want to have a little bit of a let you know about something that's really awesome that's going to happen soon. Yes. So just in a couple of weeks, um, we are hosting our third virtual marriage retreat. We launched virtual marriage retreats in the middle of COVID um, when people couldn't attend marriage retreats in person and people wanted it to come back. So we had another virtual marriage retreat last year. Incredible couples from all over the world logging in and investing time in their marriage when they may not be able to go travel and be at an, a live event in person. But this will be live and it will be online and it's February 10th and 11th. Yes. If you have DM'd us before and wanted to attend one of our live events and you haven't been able to yet, this is your opportunity to show up and have a good time with us. Last time we had a whole bunch of couples from all over the world join and it was such a great time. So the link will be in the show notes. You can go register. Um, we do have an early bird deadline coming up. So if you want to get that early bird rate, you'll want to go ahead and register now. So go check that out. And now on to the interview. Welcome, Annalise, to the podcast. We're so thankful that you've joined us today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. 
Yeah, we love what you put out on Instagram and um, just the message that you share. And so we thought it would be really helpful for the folks that follow us and who are very interested in God's plan for marriage um, to know some distinctions that uh, you're really good at distinctions, by the way. I, I love that. <laughs> That's a good word for it. That's what I'm trying to, <laughs> trying yes. to accomplish. So let's kick this off. Um, your screen name, your handle on Instagram is Feminine Not Feminist. So talk to us a little bit about what feminism actually means. There's a mm -hmm. lot of confusion out there about that. There is a lot of confusion and rightly so because you're going to get a different answer depending upon who you ask. Um, because I, the definition that I'm going to give it, which is it's the philosophical manifestation of the curse in Genesis 3, Probably not the definition you're going to get from someone who identifies as a feminist. <laughs> I love that, though. The philosophical manifestation of the curse in Genesis 3. Mm, that's good. That's my definition. Um, but mm. yeah, you're going to get a different answer. Some people are going to tell you that feminism is purely the uh, social, political equality of the sexes. Um, and I think that that is a straw man because if you see the outworkings of the fruits of feminism what you see is there. there's not a push for equality so much as an elevation of women and a degradation of man. Um, and not every person who identifies as a feminist ha would articulate that or even believes that, but mainstream feminism certainly has taken that direction. So um, the, what, what I define feminism as, you know, in Genesis 3, you see that um, after... Adam and Eve eat the fruit and the sin enters the world. God says to Eve, your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. And there, so there's some different ideas about what that means. Sure. Um, but I think in context, what makes the mm -hmm. most sense is because he's talking about curses is that that leadership that Adam had prior to the fall, because she was made a helper prior to the fall, becomes the source of resentment and bitterness for the woman and it's something that she um fights against and mm -hmm. so i see feminism as being an outworking of that now i understand that there's feminist policies or pol like social policies that have come out of feminism that have to do with like you know certain laws protecting women property sure. and things like that and i'm not referring yeah. to that yeah. in this podcast i'm referring to like the ideological the philosophical mm -hmm. um the attitudes and the mindsets and not like the social policies that one could argue did or did not come out of feminism. Yeah. It's good. Another good distinction. Because a lot of, <laughs> there would be some people, especially the ones you would talk to at your local Whole Foods store that would say <laughs> something along the lines of like, well, no, there's a lot of good things that came out of feminism. Like, why would you want to remove yourself from this wonderful movement right. and freedoms that it's given you? Yeah, like the the right to vote. Like I hear that one come up a lot as first wave feminism, you know, that we're, Which we're able we could, to. One could talk about that. And um, I'm not a history scholar, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know the uh, the history of first, second and third wave feminism. What I do know is what I see coming out of it. That's right. Right. The yep. fruit. And you know things by their fruits. So mm -hmm. <laughs> that's exactly it. That's really good. So what would you, how would you want to um, like separate like your, your, your feminine, but not feminist. What do you want people to know about the feminine and, and say that that's not me in like the, what the culture is yeah. pushing on you. Yeah. 
So it's funny. I was on a podcast once and they asked me to define biblical femininity. And I was like, well, that term is not ever in the Bible. <laughs> so, <laughs> True. When, when, but that when, when I use that, I'm simply referring to what does God expect of me as a woman? What has he gifted me with as a woman? What has he emboldened me with as a woman? And um, and walking in that. That's what I mean by femininity is walking in the fullness of my womanhood as God intended it and as he's revealed in his word. Mm. And that is very different than what culture is telling me I ought to be as a woman. Mm -hmm. And we culture has adjectives for how a woman is to be. So you'll see strong and independent or, you know, um, what's the word? I see things like a oh, woman should be feisty or women should be... <laughs> kinds of words i'm Strong. like well, does, yeah. does yeah. god define us that yeah. way mm-hmm. um they're like the proverbs 31 it does say that she makes her arms strong sure um, yes. and but i don't see like an independent woman i mm. see a woman that is um that is interdependent with her husband and, and serving him and yeah. so we have to be aware of the adjectives that culture says that we should be as women and align ourselves with god's adjectives for us yeah. and agree with him <sighs> That's really good. Mm. So what are some of God's adjectives that yeah, he gives? So for I love women? this because I've been doing a study uh, for something through Proverbs 31 and pulling out attributes. And if you're going to go anywhere, I think you should go to Proverbs 31 because this is she is wisdom personified mm. and um everything that wisdom is in the beginning of Proverbs, you know, cuz wisdom cries aloud and she makes herself known. This is what that person looks like who is walking in that. So um, one thing that you see is that she is very hardworking. She yeah. is not lazy. So in the beginning of Proverbs, we see the sluggard. Mm-hmm. She's the opposite of that, right? So yep. she's hardworking. Um, another thing you see is that she is focused on, like everything she does is mm-hmm. to benefit her husband and children and maidservants. It's for her family. It's for her household. And so she is home focused. Mm-hmm. Another thing that you see um, is that at the end, which is basically like the, this is the climax of the passage where it says that a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And mm-hmm. so everything she does flows out of the fear of the Lord. And we know in the beginning of Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So she fears the Lord. She's wise. She's hardworking. She's about the business of the home. Um, there's uh, She makes her arms strong for her task. And so she doesn't shy away from hard work. Mm. Um, But then you also see attributes of her, like she's in the marketplace selling these beautiful things that she makes. She is excellent in her work. Yeah. And there's another place in Proverbs because Proverbs is constantly feeding into itself and they're interwoven. And there's one where it talks about, do you see a man who is skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. Well, that's what you Mm. see with the Proverbs 31 woman. She is selling her sashes to the merchants Mm. um, and she's not afraid to like she's she's donned in linen and and purple and scarlet like she's not afraid to look nice and to beautify yeah. herself as a woman so those are just some adjectives that that come I to mind that. but you also see in titus when it talks about women being pure submissive workers at home talks about um uh in first peter is it or talks about not letting the adorning be external but the yes. quiet person of the heart with the yeah. quiet and gentle spirit Mm-hmm. So there's so many places you could go to build a biblical theology of what 
God wants a woman to be. Yeah. Hmm. And contrast that with the adjectives that the culture is telling us women should be. What are those? Uh, so the, the strong and independent, which when yeah. they say strong, I think it means a very different thing than when God says strong. Because yes. we can put strong on the on the biblical side yeah, of adjectives. Yeah, we totally can. Yeah, on we totally a very, can. On a very popular podcast, I just heard someone say, like, have you ever heard the, the phrase that I'm hearing a lot of feminists talk about, like, the future is woman? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, the future is female. Is what they yeah, say. there we go. Female. Thank you. Um, yeah. So when they say strong, they mean dominant and powerful. Yeah, And that's not what God is referring to, but because there's strength in submission. We know that mm-hmm. from Sarah, Abraham's wife and her example. Yeah. So um, you can't just say what the word is, but what the word means biblically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, another adjective. So that, yeah, there's independent, strong, like um, bold, feisty, like these, these, <laughs> <laughs> these words that kind of indicate like it, like pride and mm-hmm. this like searching for external status versus yeah. the humility that we see in Proverbs 31 woman. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of yeah. showiness with what the world says a woman should be. Now I'm not right. saying like a woman shouldn't adorn herself and, you know, be beautiful and all that kind of stuff. I'm not referring to that, but like mm-hmm. this idea that, um, yeah, that women are supposed to be proving themselves Right. Whereas it's almost scripture. like an inequality, right? Like that women yeah. should be dominant or better than or more than. And and from first wave feminism, their whole argument was for equality. But now right. it's turned into the future is female. Like, the future is female. Let's just right. all female. Like that Eradicate, doesn't even right. make sense from a um, you know perspective of um, propelling the human species. <laughs> yeah. It does not, <laughs> and, and 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 that is more radical feminist. And the, the I think your average college student who is by default a feminist because that's what you're supposed to be, is probably just like, oh yeah, I thought it was all about you know, I don't know, women being Equal accepted rights. as yeah, yeah. no yeah sure. being viewed as human or whatever. So yeah. I don't think everyone has that perspective, right. but that is even in in writings from like 60s and 70s, it was already going in that very Mm. Marxist direction. Right, So how, from your perspective, because you've been dealing with this this for a while, um, how has this created confusion or division within the home? So there's many directions I think you you could talk about this from. One is that one of the objectives of feminism, capital F, you know, the social movement, was to get women in the workforce and to get them out of the home. Now, if you want to know what I think about women working outside the home, I have an old podcast on my old podcast, Everyday Wife, and you'll realize that I'm much more nuanced about this. So if you want to know what I think, listen to that. But um, one of the objectives was that to get women outside the home, but the the, the way that they were getting getting them outside the home was by painting this picture of it being the home being oppressive. Mm. And so Mm. it wasn't like, yeah, it was like, get out of the home because you're a slave in the home and it's not worthy. The home isn't a worthy place to to spend mm-hmm. your time and efforts. And so when you get women outside the home with that mindset that the home is not a worthy place, um, you can see very quickly how that takes a, a, the home from a, a safe haven to like, you know, just a place where two people happen to live yep. and live their separate lives. And, yeah. you know, they're married, but they're both out there pursuing their own dreams. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then once the women are out of the home, the children have to go somewhere. So where do the children go? They go to the public school. Yeah. Um, and then they're able to be taught in the ways of <laughs> whoever right. is teaching them. Um, and now, yeah. again, there's a lot to this conversation. And so I'm not saying that it's a sin to send your child to public school. I'm just stating historically yeah. what what has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one way it impacts the home is the, the home goes from being a source, a, a creative, loving haven to being mm-hmm. an incidental place where people happen to live and then they go out and do their own lives that's so true yeah because it's supposed to be viewed from a proverbs 31 perspective as a sanctuary it's a blessing it's where we do life and she goes outside the home to sell her goods in the marketplace so her work is blessed outside the home but the home is not viewed as you don't have that mindset of the home being a an oppressive place. If you devalue the home and what she is doing in the home, um, it really leaves her feeling insignificant. I've seen a lot of women, if they're not making money, like, like the man is, then she feels less than like, Oh, I'm just taking care of the kids and he's making the money. And there's like a power differential there. Mm. Yeah. And I've seen that happen and it causes a lot of problems within the marriage. If he's like, like Go oh, ahead. ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I like that you you used the word power differential because that is how modern relationships, we're supposed to view modern relationships through that lens of power right. and control mm-hmm. um, versus love and respect and mutual. Yes. <laughs> uh, so if you do view it from a power control, it's like who makes more money or who does more around the house? Let's Let's bicker about these silly little things like who does the dishes and i can't tell you how many videos i've seen pop up on my instagram of like women complaining or um even like i'll see it from men of like oh look i'm doing more around the house and the whole point of this is like i don't know to prove that there's equality and my argument is there is a much better way (laughs) than this talk about yeah, that yeah please do because so, that that comes up all the time yeah we have a variety of couples right that are listening some are more in that traditional the woman is home with the children making the home a sanctuary the man is outside the home working eight plus hours a day some people have kind of like a work from home or both members are outside the home working talk about what this can look like for um responsibilities to to feel doable um, for a variety of homes. Yeah. And th- I think the big thing is, is it's not really about how you divide labor or whatever, because the truth is there are no passages that say the women should do this and the man should do this in terms of dishes or organizing or laundry or whatever. That is completely incidental. It's about how you, as a wife or as a husband, view the other person mm-hmm. in all of it. Because my husband could be doing a lot, but if I have like a seed of bitterness in me, that's like, oh, he should just be doing just a little bit more. That can seep in and poison the marriage very quickly. So I don't think it's about how you divide the labor. I mean, you can you can sit and talk about that. You can look at how other couples do it. You can figure out whatever works for you. Um, But it's about keeping guard of your own heart and how Mm. you're viewing that spouse. Like, are they they can go from teammate and friend very quickly to like a competitor 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's how feminism views the marriage relationship. You yes. know, it's, it's yes. inherently unequal because the man is male privilege and all this kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. It also assumes too that that money is the the great like uh, what do you, what, you determining know, it's factor? The, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Motivator, determining yeah. factor of who has the most power. I think it really goes back to to that. Which is funny because they'll get on like capitalism of, of being uh you know like this evil thing that uh i don't know it's just interesting because the yeah. same people that will like harp on the evils of capitalism or whatever it's like well your framework is all about women need to have money to have power yeah or women need to have money to have influence mm-hmm. or women yes. need to have money to have safety mm-hmm. um yeah it's, yeah, that's, it's centered that's around true. that so that's good. <laughs> yeah you had a post um, a little while back that uh, I I pulled up because I wanted to reference it today. So it said, who has it harder, men or women? I don't know. And I think it's a mostly irrelevant question. My husband, bear, my husband bears a different mental load than me, but it is no lighter. I've seen both men and women adopt a victim mentality based on their sex. It's hard to be a man, but it's good to be a man. It's hard to be a woman, but it's good to be a woman. Talk about some of the differences between men and women. And you went on to say some other really good things in that post. Um, so maybe you can expound on that. But talk about some of the differences that we often look at those differences as a competition instead of just complimentary. And we'll get right back to the interview. But what we want to do is make you aware that we have a resource around this whole subject of talking with your kids about sexuality. And it's called Having the Talks. And in Having the Talks, we address things like homosexuality, transgenderism, but even just the basics of sexuality, like anatomy and identity. Um, We start the whole deck off with identity. And it's a resource for parents and children to play together. You can play it like a game. And it helps children as young as age three, all the way up to teenhood. There's um, really two decks in one because we have questions for younger children and on the other side of the card, it's a question, same question, but for older children. Yes, and this deck is designed to really bring these subjects up um, organically so that you can um, really have this discussion with them and, and open a safe place for you to be an askable parent. So you could go to havingthetalks.com and get your deck and um, it will actually reroute you to Amazon and you can get it tomorrow. Next day shipping. Yeah, if you ordered it today. All right, link in the show notes. Back to the interview. Yeah, well, I can speak from just my husband and I, for instance. Um, We are polar opposites and I have met few couples that are as polar opposite as my husband and I. So I think that we have it almost like exaggerated. Okay. (laughs) Um, But we, and, and throughout our marriage, it's been a journey of figuring out how we can work it together so that these things that would otherwise be at odds are fruitful. Yeah. So um, the way that my husband thinks, for instance, he's very logical. He's very slow to make decisions that I would make instantly because I am impulsive and I'm uh, just very easily excitable. And I'm like, sure, let's do this. And he will ruminate on something. He will research everything. (laughs) Adam's the same way. (laughs) I totally get it. And and I will say that this has been something that I have resented at different points, but he's actually saved us from making some very stupid decisions Yeah, because he gave time and inertia 
the opportunity to work yeah. and and to prove whether something would be a good idea. Whereas I'm quick to spend money. I'm quick to say, let's, you know, go to, you know, move here or do this or do that. Um, and so I could, if I was, if I was making myself the arbiter of what is good, um, and I was making myself the standard of how someone should be, I could look at him and and I could use adjectives like he's not um, creative. He's not a- adventurous. He's not uh, willing to take risk. He's not. Mm-hmm. I could frame it in such a way that makes it look mm-hmm. like it's a yeah. flaw. However, yeah. if I flip the table, I could say he's thoughtful, intentional. He's um, he's not wanting to to take on an unwise burden mm-hmm. before it's time to. I could reframe all those adjectives to show that they're actually benefits to our family to help us make mm-hmm. better decisions. I like and that. the same could go for me if someone looked at me as, oh, impulsive, rash. Yes, at times. You could also say, okay, willing to take risk, creative, adventurous, and make those positive things. I love that. And so I don't know how it is for the listeners in this marriage. Maybe it's a similar dynamic. Maybe it's flipped, whatever. Um, but there are these fundamental differences between men and women, and you can frame them as being bad, evil things, or you can say... Mm-hmm. How is this actually a compliment to me, a balance to me, and a benefit to our marriage? That's so good. Mm. So, Annalise, you talk a lot about women complaining about their roles, their responsibilities, their mental load. Talk about the difference between complaining and communicating desires or wishes well with your husband. Oh, man. (laughs) Um, it's hard sometimes to find that balance, but I think a complaint is by definition, it's, it's kind of impulsive. Like when we complain, it's not because we sat and thought about it for an hour and took it to the Lord and then went and complained. A complaint is that immediate reaction to something not being right. Okay. Whereas an appeal has time behind it. It has thought behind it. It has prayer behind it. And those differences will come out when you are going to your husband. If I if I go to him and say, I don't like where we live. And if I'm just, you know, in my feels about wanting a nicer house or whatever, and I go to him and what and I just let what immediately comes up just spew, it's not gonna be pretty. But if I take it to the Lord and um I think about it, I might find that I don't need to make this complaint, number one. I might find that I can just let it go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but if I've molded over and I think it's something worth discussing and I want to share my feelings, there's it's going to be much gentler after I've taken it to mm. the Lord. Yeah. So what about for that person that's sitting there listening to you and be like, well, that, Annalise, is, is just di- being disingenuous. Like, you got to just let them uh-huh. know what you feel. Just tell them. Like, <laughs> well, f- well f- I would say flip the tables. Like, mm-hmm. I think... That's the another way we see feminism impacting because women's feelings are put on this pedestal. Yep. Like in order to be genuine, in order to communicate with your spouse, you kind of just have to say everything that pops in your mind. And I would I would say one flip the tables. Do you if your husband has ever done that to you, does that work out? Like and two, like in what relationships do we ever do that? Mm, true. We we reserve um, the right to be, I would say this, we 
we withhold certain negative things that we want to say out of love and charity for others in every single relationship. So good. Yeah, professional relationships, familial relationships. We're thoughtful about the way we're, we're we present a need. Yeah. Mm. Um, you mean if you think about growing up and, and when you're still living with your parents, that there's a really good opportunity there to like practice communication skills before you get married. And I just think about <laughs> all that all that I learned living with my parents of like, if I just let loose on them, that's disrespectful. It's not communication. Now, some people would say that that's how you should parent, but we won't get into that. Um, <laughs> I, If I, yeah, letting loose and communication and loving communication are two very different things. Yeah. So I think that this idea that to be genuine, you have to be impulsive is wrong. Yeah. You can be genuine while being thoughtful guarded and patient with your words it's mm. not the antithesis of genuine mm. boy isn't that a lesson yeah. it took me a while for to learn that but why wouldn't we be careful with the most important relationship in our life but i find so many spouses and both both genders yeah. um to be very like just just impulsive. let loose and yeah. impulsive with their words and it's like hold on Give it thought, give it time, let it percolate. <laughs> yeah. Don't just say what comes to mind, but say what you think would best resonate or have the the most soft yet impactful resonance in that person. Mm. Think about James too and what he says about the tongue. Yes. And how that it's set on fire by hell. So mm. if we have this member that's set on fire by hell, are we not going to be so careful with it? I mean, mm. out of everything how much more the tongue that he says it's impossible to tame and that no human being has tamed the tongue. Mm. Yes. Whew. That's, <laughs> that's intense. Yeah. That is. Yeah. And that shows that we have a lifetime of sanctification to do with it. That's yes. right. <laughs> so good. Okay. So we're hearing the impacts of feminism on marriage are uh, include the confusion, the impulsivity, um, and like kind of this competition between spouses, yeah. any other damaging effects or themes that you see as far as the impact of feminism on marriage? Well, I, I want to go back to the power dynamic thing yeah, because I think that's all the other effects kind of flow from that main okay. paradigm. And what people have to realize is that that power and control dynamic, it's a way that, of viewing the world. And so people do this with different races. They view races as being in competition with one another. And people do this with male and female. Mm. And if you view everything in your life through a power and control dynamic, you will never relax and surrender into the joy of mutual unconditional love. Mm. Um, because you always have your guard up. Mm. Right. Mm. And mm. there, you know, they might be you know, living under the same roof and stuff, but deep down they're an enemy because they're competing with you for control and power. Wow. And that is something that I think many women have unknowingly received into their marriages yeah. is they're still competing with their husband. And so they're not relaxing into just being and enjoying yeah. and appreciating. Mm. And if anything, I think that's one of the worst effects because that's robbing joy that's robbing um, 
just mutual happiness. Right. Right. It's profound. Yeah, I, I think men could hear that same message of it, it's a mutual submission to each other mm. because leadership is servanthood. I mean, what is it? Ephesians 5 talks about the man loving his wife as Christ loved the church. Lover. We're supposed to go into that self-sacrificial love and serve. So her relaxing, or how do you say it? Being. Her, her yeah, being, being. Yeah, being. Right, mm-hmm. her being isn't at risk if I'm doing my job well in uh-huh. service. So she knows that I'm not going to trample over her freedoms and her individuality and her autonomy. If she can have that confidence and I can take influence from her, she doesn't have to stand up and fight that fight that yeah. that culture is saying, you have to do this or, or he's just going to wreck you and leave you, you know, all mm-hmm. this other, other stuff. Like if I can send her those messages of safety of like, you know, my higher, my moral compass is, is not self-governed, but it's from God. Mm-hmm. Then you can have that safety knowing that I'm going to be a servant always and that you will have that individuality. And the, and the unfortunate thing is <laughs> when the other cut person is waiting for the other person to grasp their part until they do theirs and it goes back and forth and mm-hmm. back and forth and back and forth. Mm-hmm. That's a cycle that I think... <sighs> that I have been in, so I'm not throwing stones, sure. that many, many marriages. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's in. a cycle of conditional love. Yes. If we can both be mutually submitted, that's where unconditional love can flourish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I yeah. think the, the test for that is, can you take influence from the other person? Mm-hmm. Like how willingly can you take influence? Yeah. And if you can't take influence, then you probably need to, go back and take inventory Uh, how do you receive um like correction or Mm. this is another thing i talk a lot about on my page Mm -hmm. is that i remember growing up my mom used to tell me a lot annalise you are very defensive Mm -hmm. every time i come with you i come to you and say this is something you need to work on you immediately give me a reason why it's not a problem and I mean, I'm so thankful that she drilled that into me, that that was one of my pitfalls because Mm. I brought it into marriage and then I was able to realize, wait a minute, I'm doing it again where I can't even receive like, hey, could you maybe work on making meals better whatever? I take it as an attack, as a threat, as a whatever. And it's, it's it's hindering my growth and it's hindering my husband's ability to communicate with me because then every time he wants to even give a little suggestion, you know, he has to deal with... (laughs) all sorts of unnecessary right right um pushback so how do we receive i love that point how do we receive correction from the other person yeah um and without seeing it as unloving or as a threat yes. or whatever yes so you know what i'm hearing annalise which is the opposite of what the feminist movement would would say is your is your stance i'm hearing that you want both members of the marriage to have a voice. You want this sense of servitude and love and being and not this competition and power struggle. Um, it sounds a lot like equality to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, and in the, the reason sense of it, complementarian. Well, and the reason that it, the reason that it doesn't sound like that to feminists or that they see me as, promoting female subjugation or something like that is because as a wife, I speak to wives 
mm-hmm. and I let the men speak to men. Gotcha. And that's why mm. they would say, well, it's unfair because, and I'm saying, well, hold on, let's start with our part. Uh-huh. And as Jesus says, when you've um, taken the plank out of your own eye, you will see clearly to take the speck out of someone else's. Yep. But a plank is very big. <laughs> let's work on <laughs> removing that. Um, and so that's why it sounds like, uh, it, I mean, one, it sounds like subjugation because I use words like submission and, right. you know, that's very unpopular. But two, because... <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's <laughs> yep. true. But also because I'm, I'm just, I'm talking to wives. And, yes. and uh, if they are interested in what men are doing there's many men out there talking to men about how to be better husbands Mm -hmm. um so they can do a little research and find that yeah Uh, but i think they want me to to say both and Mm. i'm happy to acknowledge that i think both men and women should be laying down their life for the other person that's not something i'm secretive about or whatever yeah but Mm. i am discovering in my own heart what are the the boundaries that i've put up to doing that and how can i break them down and how can i share that with others Mm. that's really good good. i love it so refreshing (laughs) thank you so much do you have any other questions before we close i was just going to ask any resources that you could point or the people listening to okay so um people are always coming to me and they're like what books did you read and this and that and this is going to sound kind of weird but um there was a book it was a very small little book by a professor at uh phoenix seminary um, Dr. David Edgington is his name, and he wrote a book called The Abusive Wife. Mm-hmm. And it was actually written, it was written for men um, who are dealing with emotionally or physically abusive women and like just giving them counsel from a biblical counselor, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and a friend of mine just gave it to me. And so I, I was obviously not in that situation, but I was reading it from the mindset of like, I don't know, looking for patterns that I wanted to avoid. And it was an enlightening book for me. It was very eye-opening because he talks in it about um, bitterness and how bitterness is, is it's something that can destroy a, a marriage faster than almost anything else. Yeah. And I witnessed that firsthand in my own marriage. So it resonated with me a lot. Um, and so anyway, that book I would recommend to anybody. That's awesome. Um, because he gives examples from his experience as a biblical counselor real stories he's not making this up and that ability to like peer into marriages obviously he doesn't give the name but to see these common problems um that stem from from bitterness and from a power struggle and from that animosity that attitude Mm -hmm. was really enlightening for me so i would recommend that to any woman that feels like they really struggle with um feelings of bitterness and control and things like that Mm -hmm. i would recommend that that's good. Okay. All right. Well, we Thank will you. put that link in the show notes to that book. We also want to share links to your resources. So you're on Instagram as feminine, not feminist. What are the the hyphens or underscores there? Yeah. Yeah. Feminine underscore, not underscore feminist. Okay. All right. <laughs> and any other resources? Do you have a website or any other resource out there? Um, so I have a podcast. Uh-huh. Um, so I have an old podcast. Uh, it's called Everyday Wife. And I think okay. it's still up there. So you can access some of the resources there. And then I have a new podcast called The Feminine Not Feminist Podcast. And that is available wherever you get your podcasts. Awesome. Um, I'm also on Twitter, but Twitter's it's just kind of what feeds into my Instagram. So 
it's it's weird um okay <laughs> <laughs> we will but link you can find those. me there <laughs> nice. sounds good Excellent. All right. Well, we're going to close out this episode the way that we close out all of our episodes. And that's by asking you this question. Rewind back to the first couple years of your marriage. How long have you been married now? Almost five years. Five years. Okay. So rewind back to toward the beginning. Um, what's some advice that you wish you would have received? And then fill in the blank, dear young married couple. Okay. Do I say dear young married couple first? Sure. Okay. <laughs> All right. Dear young married couple, I think I received the advice that I needed, but I didn't take it to heart because I thought I knew hmm. what I needed to know. Wow. And one of the things that I we were told in biblical counseling or in premarital counseling um, before we got married was to pay attention to the verses that pertain to our role in marriage. And I still look back on that as some of the best marriage advice I'd ever received. But I wish that I had really uh, listened to people that had been married 30, 40, 50 years mm. instead of thinking, yeah, 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 just let me get married and move on with this. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> good. My, my marriage advice is listen to marriage advice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> take it to heart. <laughs> uh, but I, I love know. that specific piece of examine the biblical um model of marital roles like what what are your roles and responsibilities such wisdom yeah yeah it's really simple because um it's just like you hear it over and over again right Mm -hmm. but then when you realize that like because god what what does god want of us he wants us to be obedient sum it up Mm -hmm. in a nutshell he wants obedient how do we obey we obey by fulfilling our roles want to be great servants of the kingdom and they want to do great things for the Lord and they get all confused about what that looks like. Like, Well, it looks like fulfilling what he's asked you to do today, which is if you're a wife, be a wife, mother, be a mother, an employee, be a really good employee. Um, I love how it's not that complicated. I just have to do it. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you so much, Annalise. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, friends, we really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. And if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at dearyoungmarriedcouple.com. No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at dearyoungmarriedcouple. And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week. big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money.